Welcome to the Dr. Diamond Podcast, where doctors learn from industry experts proven methods to grow their practices like the top 1%. And now your hosts, President of OfficeAutomated.com, Robert Barton, and the CEO of New Patient Group, founder of the Dr. Diamond Club, national keynote speaker, and featured in Dental Economics, Forbes, and CNBC, Brian Wright. Diamond Club podcast listeners, Robert Barton here with you with Brian Wright. We have a fantastic show today with Dr. Galante. She's an orthodontist with three locations in the Sacramento area. And I know she has a very unique story and looking forward to hearing that. How, how are you today, Brian? Doing well. Yeah, real excited today, Robert, to be here with Dr. Galante. It's a real honor. I've gotten to know her uh, pretty well over the past couple weeks, actually. And, you know, it's an honor to have her here. I mean, she graduated from University of Pennsylvania. Uh, she got her dental degree and orthodontic degree, uh, both from Pennsylvania. Uh, she's a top 1% Invisalign provider. She's been board certified since 1992 and a line faculty member, and most recently a client of New Patient Group as well. So I'm honored to have her aboard. How are you doing, Dr. Galante? I'm doing great. Thank you. I think doing one great. more thing I want to tell the listeners, too, is that in 2016, you were awarded the Educator of the Year by Align Technology. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that was a great honor um, to receive because there's probably, I don't know how many how many doctors there are, probably about 50 uh, faculty members in between the orthodontic group and the general dental group. There's probably about 50 of us, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, yeah, it was a great honor to receive that. That's, yeah. a, that's really impressive. And... Another thing is Dr. Galante is a top 1% provider and has been for many years. But, you know, as we all do on this show, we try to give away uh, some tips for all of you out there, all you listeners, that you can take back and grow your practice at the highest levels. And obviously, Dr. Galante didn't start as a top 1% provider. So one of the things I'd like to ask you is, you know, what, what's kind of the background? How did you get there? Where did you start? Why did you start doing Invisalign? Tell us your story. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of goes back to 2008. And my uh, husband and I, who my husband is an orthodontist as well, and we practice together. We actually have um, several locations in Northern California. And at the time, so go back to 2008, um, our, our main location, or we call our flagship office, which is in an area called Rockland, California. It's a suburb of Sacramento. Um, we had started it from scratch in 2001 and had rented this tiny little 1,500 square foot um, strip mall space and honestly just busted out of that space really rapidly. So in 2008, or actually 2007, the very end of 2007, we had the opportunity to buy um, a commercial building to move our practice in. And of course, it was at the top of the market, although we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> But we bought this building and moved our practice into that um, new facility. And we went from 1,500 square feet to 2,500 square feet. Fortunately, we ended up renting out 2,000 square feet to a physical therapy group, which was actually one of the smarter things we did back then because that did help pay the mortgage. Because um, within about six months of moving into our brand new location and taking out a, you know, a brand new loan and, and going into debt again, um, the economy uh, went south. And it was a, a huge uh, hit in Sacramento. I think we were one of four uh, cities in the United States that was hit really hard 
uh, Phoenix, I believe was another one, Las Vegas, Sacramento, and Miami. So um, it was a, a big impact. People were losing their jobs. People were losing their homes. And you can bet that they were not thinking about putting braces on their kids' teeth uh, if they couldn't pay their bills. So it was quite a shock to the system, so to speak. Our practice uh, really felt the impact. It, it, it took a little while to figure out that this was not a, a this was not temporary. You know, I've been, by that point, I think we, you know, we had been practicing together for a little while, and you have your ups and downs, and we were really. Uh, aware of those trends, you know, you, you know, even in 2001, when we first opened the practice, <laughs> we opened it like in October of 2001, about a month after 9-11. So that wasn't really the best time to open a practice either. But, you know, you weather the storm and you get through it. And, and we kind of thought this might just be one of those little mini storms. And by the end of 2008, things hadn't really changed. In fact, they had gone from bad to, to worse. And we were losing um, production and, of course, uh, following production, <laughs> you start losing income and revenue. Uh, employees were leaving. Um, many of their spouses were losing their jobs and they were having to move out of state. And we went, it was kind of interesting, you know, one by one, people would come in and say, it, it, was, it almost was like a little bit of a joke after a while. They'd come in, Dr. Galante, I had to talk to you. And I'd say, okay, <laughs> you know, my husband just <laughs> lost his job. He has a new opportunity here. We're going to be moving to Wisconsin in the next month. Just thought I'd let you know. And this went on um, for actually about two years, from 2008 till about the uh, tail end, eh, beginning of 2010. Um, we probably lost uh, probably half of our employees. So we went from, a, oh, I don't know, about 18 employees to about maybe nine employees. I think at our lowest point, we were about eight. And what we discovered is that um, we needed to do something different. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't working. Um, the whole braces thing, there was a lot of competition as well in the area that had moved in and we were all competing for that same um, pool of patients that now didn't have money to you know, pay their mortgage. So uh, braces to me was kind of like becoming Oh, it was like a race to the bottom. There were people advertising $49, you know, down payment, $49 a month. And we just said, hey, this is going to make us go bankrupt, you know, even faster than we're already heading. So we started to look at other options. And what were those options? Well, uh, there's uh, Invisalign. We had been doing Invisalign. It wasn't something that we were, you know, it was foreign to our office, but it was probably 10% of our practice. So it was really small and it was only adults with uh, minor issues, not big problems. And we looked at a few other types of things. Like we actually did some uh, lingual braces as well. We did some incognito thinking that might be the way to set ourselves apart or offer something uh, much more unique and kind of tap into maybe those adult patients who still had some money that didn't lose everything or lose their job. And we decided after doing incognito and Invisalign, you know, we decided Invisalign was the way to go. In fact, I think most of the incognito patients ended up going into aligners to finish because uh, we just had a hard time uh, finishing that, you know, those cases. So make a long story short, that's why, we decided on Invisalign and back in 2008, it wasn't what it is today. So, you know, there were still some challenges in finishing cases. There were still some challenges in, you know, just, you know, the whole process 
because we didn't have an iTero back then. So we were using PBS impressions right. and there was a big learning curve there with taking, you know, loads of PBS impressions and, you know, heading out to the UPS store on a daily basis. But <laughs> we weathered the storm. And by the end of 2010, we were um, elite providers. So we went from, you know, 10%, uh, not even hitting any sort of status to within about two years, we were uh, elites. And it made a huge difference uh, in our practice um, revenue. Our, we gained back the 30% we had lost in 2008, 2009. And then since then, every single year we've grown. There hasn't been a down year since. And we just keep adding more and more Invisalign into the mix. And today, quite honestly, it makes it easier to offer Invisalign because the appliance is just, it's amazing, you know, compared to what it was in 2008 to what we have today, um, night and day. So we have no hesitation offering it to pretty much every patient that walks in and we're able to offer it at a price that is exactly the same as braces. So there's no uh, difference there. And I can offer it with confidence. We both feel it's quite honestly in so many ways, and especially in open bite types of cases, it's a, it's a superior appliance for treating uh, cases. And it has uh, really just turned our practice around in so many ways that um you know, obviously I became a big advocate for it, started doing a ton of it, you know, and Invisalign noticed that and then said, hey, what are you guys doing there in Sacramento? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> and that's what happened. I mean, it's that's the real truth of the story. That's it, great. Were you first yeah. in your market to offer Invisalign? You know, there was one other practice in town doing some, but I think, you know, they were kind of like us, you know, kind of low low uh, volume providers, but it was just probably the two of us. And um, that was it. You know, it, it really wasn't even a household word. I mean, when patients would come in, we'd have to spend, gosh, like half an hour educating them about it because hmm. it was so foreign to people. They'd look at it and go, that those pieces of plastic are going to move my teeth. I mean, they just had a hard time wrapping their head around it. So I think, you know, when we really started to, we just pretty much, put our blinders on and just focused on Invisalign. I mean, we just, everything we did, all our marketing, all our messaging in the office, um, some of the places we went initially to get patients were a lot of these um, retirement communities. Like around here, there's places called Sun Cities. They're kind of 55 and older communities. And we discovered that hanging out in those communities, either at some of their health fairs or in their newsletters, was really beneficial to us because those people, you know, they were more or less retired. Most of them, I guess, had been fairly smart about their 401ks and they had money um, and they were interested in uh, looking better, being better, but they weren't going to ever, 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 ever do braces. You know, you can't convince a 65-year-old woman to put braces on her teeth. She'll just live with her crooked teeth. But if you offer an, uh, an Invisalign appliance, same price, um, you know, reasonable payment plans, you know, uh, great discounts, whatever we were doing back then, they would get started. And it didn't take long for that word of mouth to spread in that community. So initially, I'd say we were kind of specializing in adult Invisalign. And then little by little, we started offering it to the teens. And we realized the teens are where 
we were going to get to those top tier status levels, that elite level and, and beyond, because that's still the bulk of our practice. And by 2010, things started to, I wouldn't say level out, because I think Sacramento, uh, I'd tell you Sacramento up until probably even last year was still kind of struggling in the housing market. I mean, even our, our uh, building, uh, our uh, real estate that we own, our uh, commercial building, I mean, we just had it reappraised because we had to refinance it. And it still is um, valued less than what we bought it for in 2007. So that's mm-hmm. just to give you an idea of how it's been a slow kind of gradual resurgence here. But we were able to tap into that into that niche, I would say, that little niche of Invisalign that no one was really uh, talking about and no other competitors were even even like venturing into teen Invisalign at all. <laughs> I, mean, that, <laughs> I mean, that was like, you know, we were really outliers there. And honestly, I think it has helped us establish a reputation locally, even though pretty much everybody has Invisalign now and <laughs> You know, it's it's a household word, but um, I still think we have that reputation of, you know, really good results, quality results, results that are quick, um, you know, because we've just done, you know, 2,300 cases. I mean, you know, you start doing a lot of cases, you start getting, you know, really, uh, really good at this appliance. So it's been uh, been a good, good thing. We have a look back and we're continuing to... Um, uh, continuing to grow and grow and, and talk about Invisalign and and pretty much if you came into our offices, our staff would tell you the same thing. They just, you know, they just love it because they can see the advantages as well. Um, not only for themselves as far as their workload, but even for the patient, you know, less uh, pain, you know, shorter appointments, fewer appointments, no hygiene issues, all that kind of good stuff that, people like that's really interesting i mean to me and one of the things that that we preach uh, you know to the listeners out there our own clients at new patient group is the fact that, that be an innovator be an innovator first a clinician second not to diminish the clinical importance everybody out there but what she's talking about is how they innovated and they went a different route than what maybe somebody down the street was doing and, and something you guys hear us talk about quite frequently is that doctors too often want to know what a doctor down the street is doing as opposed to being a CEO of their own organization and doing it differently than the guy or girl down the street. So I I commend you guys for 10 years ago really taking that clear aligner route. One of the things that you said is that you charge the same price for both braces and Invisalign, which I'm a a huge advocate of for hundreds of reasons, but it's very difficult, even with sometimes very successful practices, to convince them not to increase their Invisalign fee to, as you know, and most people listening know, to offset what's called the quote-unquote lab fee. So talk a little bit about that. What got you in the mindset of charging the same price? And how did you guys get over the lab fee when you were struggling and, and, and the town was going through the recession? Talk about all that for a little bit. Yeah, that, that's a good question. And, and when, I, when, I, um, when I'm teaching uh, doctors... I kind of, you know, share this story because it's, it's reality and they kind of have to face reality. And the reality is this, you know, our backs were up against the wall. We, we had to do something different and, you know, offering braces at $49 a month wasn't going to cut it for us, you know, and we were losing team members as well and we couldn't actually afford to replace them. 
So when we sat back and kind of looked at the big picture, we realized with the, uh, with Invisalign, we could lose these team members and we didn't have to replace them because with aligners, there's, you know, we don't need to see them quite as often. There isn't much chair side time involved as well. Um, so in the very, very beginning, I'd say in the first year, we probably, we were charging like $500 more for Invisalign because we were still back then offering clear braces. So we would offer the patient metal braces or they could have their choice of clear braces or Invisalign removable braces for $500 additional. And what we discovered is that every single adult always opted for the Invisalign. I mean, they just, they, they didn't even look, you know, that was it. They were just going to do the Invisalign and they'd spend the 500. Um, what we did see, however, when we decided to really focus, and I'd say our focus on teen came in around probably 2009, tail end of 2008. Um, we noticed that parents were opting for the metal braces. They were like, ah, $500, I'll save it. I'm not going to spend the money on the extra cost of the clear brackets or the Invisalign. So we said, okay, that's it. We really got to get these teens on board. And we just, we just, um, we just did it. We just said, okay, we're just going to raise the braces fee to Invisalign fee. <laughs> so we raised the metal brace fee up to what the aligner fee was that we had at the time. And yeah, our braces fees were higher than say competitors down the street. But when people came in and we said, hey, it's the same price as braces, they're like, oh, okay, well then we'll just do Invisalign. So it was kind of a little bit of a psychology kind of <laughs> tweak. Rather than lowering <laughs> the fee, we went up, right? right. So and then the other key to success, and again, I'm not saying this was easy financially because it was it was rugged. I mean, my husband, it was we were, <laughs> I'd say for about 18 months, it was I felt like I was back in uh, dental school. Like you know, I wouldn't say we're eating beans and rice, but we definitely weren't going out to dinner. There were no more trips to Hawaii with the kids, and um, <clears throat> we were you know, I mean, penny pinching every single moment we could because we just wanted to a keep our building, not lose that, B, keep our employees and pay them and and maybe have a little scraps left for us. And, you know, we ended up having to pull some money out of savings and things like that. So it wasn't easy, you know, because you, you have to get to the point where you're doing enough aligners that you're not paying retail on it. And then, so it takes probably about a year, maybe 18 months. I've told some doctors two years, depending on how fast they move to really feel like, it could work. And we were even very competitive about our down payments. Like, you know, at first we were like, Oh, we need a thousand dollars down. Even though the price is the same, we need a thousand dollars down for Invisalign. Well, guess what? No one was doing Invisalign because they're like, I can't afford a thousand dollars down. So then we dropped it to basically, you know, seven fifty, And then finally we just said, okay, it's the same down payment. Um, you know, you can put $500 down and get started with braces or $500 down and get started with Invisalign. And if you allow us to do a credit check, we'll even lower it to 250 Now, that's pretty scary because you could, you know, uh, it's going to take a while. You take four months to even get $1,000 in that account. But some of these, most of these patients had insurance and that money was going to come in usually within 30 days. Mm -hmm. And there were plenty of patients that paid in full because we offered a quite decent uh, discount on paid in fulls. So those patients, you know, covered maybe, you know, two lab bills. So it was a little bit of, you know, touch and go. And there were some months where we did run into some uh, lab bill issues, you know, 
But um, you just have to kind of go through that pain to come out the other side. Right. And then when you come out the other side, it, it all starts to fall into place. It's a total practice transition that ultimately occurs. And, you know, now it's, it's definitely smooth sailing because we've transitioned, you know, we're mostly Invisalign and very few braces. So yeah, we got these huge lap bills, but we're not paying retail. And we have, gosh, I think we have about, I don't know. I think it's like 11 or 12 employees and, uh, for, um, three locations. That's impressive. And half of those employees are part-time. Oh, that's great. So it's it's just a different way of practicing. But it's taken about a decade to get there. But it, it reality was it probably could have gone faster, to be quite honest. I think we were, you know, it was just kind of everything was so new. And I think, you know, for the first couple of years, you know, it was, it, we probably weren't, Still like, okay, if you have, if you have a crowding, we probably have to extract teeth. Let's just put you in braces. Um, if you have this kind of problem, let's put you in braces. So there were still probably people we were offering um, brackets to or telling them that was a better choice. Whereas today, I mean, it, it's 100%. I mean, there's nobody really that I will ever tell can't have Invisalign. They may still have to have some partial braces, but they don't need a full set at all. And um, that's because of the innovations that Align has provided. Gosh, especially, I'd say, since about 2000. And, just as we were ramping up, like 2009, 10, they really started developing a lot of innovations. And I'd say in the last three or four years, I mean, the last three years in particular, it's just been crazy, the innovations. And, I mean, it's really become appliance that it can compete with braces and in Right. I'd say in most cases even better. Yeah, I would agree. And it's something we we talk about, whether it be as a company or when I'm keynote speaking around the country, is just the the amount of consumers that are coming in just in that, the amount of consumers coming in just asking for clear aligners. If you align, no pun intended, your practice <laughs> with what the consumer is asking for. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer on how to grow your business. What what would you say the percentage of people that enter your organization and actually ask for braces are? I mean, it has to be minimal. Well, what would you say to that? Yeah, that's really interesting. It's so minimal anymore. I mean, they usually come in, and that's the other thing that's changed a boatload um, in the last uh, 10 years, is how the patients are finding us. So back then, in 2007, you know, we were... 2008, we were 70%, um, you know, GP or professional partner referred either from GPs or pediatric dentists, right? Big bulk of our practice. Well, that, holy cow, that totally dried up within like six months when, when everything was like crashing and burning overnight. <laughs> it seemed like, you know, their practices dried up too. It wasn't right. just ours. I mean, they were affected. I mean, I, I know of, you know, a handful of people personally that went bankrupt. I mean, they just, they closed their door of their office and left and never went back. So, I mean, it was huge. And that, you know, you just never heard about dentists going bankrupt, right? So it was, you know, and and I'd say our five top referring offices at the time, they either, you know, uh, one sold and left into another state, another one went bankrupt, another one, uh, 
two of the others um, sold, left the state. Another one brought North of us in. So it was just like, we just lost it all. It very, I mean, within probably 12 months, our wow. whole, our whole uh, referral pattern had disappeared and had changed. And we were out there trying to find, obviously, new referral sources. But today, fast forward, probably like 20% of our practice is professionally partner referrals. <laughs> <laughs> and then what's really kind of interesting is we're getting maybe 50% from patients, right? Because, and it's kind of cool because it, I don't have to wait to finish their treatment. They refer like after an itero scan sometimes. I mean, I literally had one patient in a new patient exam, a young girl, she was like 28. And it was, I want to forget, it was like a Friday afternoon. She came in, we did the scan and she said to me, she said, oh my gosh, she said, I'm on the phone right now texting my girlfriend and I'm telling her about all of this and, and she wants to come over right now. Get <laughs> can, can, will you guys stay? I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we will. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll stay. So that's what happened. We ended up staying and um, she came over and got her girlfriend started. And that would, ne- let me tell you, I always joke with doctors, you, you have a patient, you put separators in. They are not referring anybody to you that weekend. In fact, they're probably, you know, talking about how painful yeah. it is so far and how much they hate these separators and why are they doing this, right? Versus like these two young ladies were so excited about that whole experience. So getting those referrals sooner was very helpful. Let me tell you, I didn't have to wait two years or whatever a year for cases to finish. And that has continued to build our practice. And then the other part is digital marketing. I mean, patients are going to the Invisalign website, right? Yep. They're finding us there. They're coming to our website. They're finding us there. Um, Facebook, they're finding us there. I mean, the whole. I mean, you get patients talking about us on. Uh oh, Doctor Guante, you still there? I'm here. There you are. You're back. Yeah. Let's see. We we broke up right at. Right, right when you were talking about Facebook, if you want to kind of read how you get patients or something, that's kind of the last, yeah. last so, one. Okay. So we were talking about Facebook and I was just saying we get a lot of, a lot of patients coming in from digital marketing kinds of things, social media. I'd say to me now it's like 20% doctor referred, 30% like digital media, um, including websites and things like that. And then last but not least is your patient referral, which is huge. That's probably about 50%. Of our, of our patient referrals now. And that has changed a lot um, in 10 years. And I think for orthodontists, you know, listening to this podcast, I think it's comforting to know that because I'm telling you, it was a shock. I mean, literally overnight, we lost our five top referring offices. And let me tell you, that happens to you once. <laughs> you change, you change, um, you change your perspective on what you're going to build your business on. And we had been lazy and we built it on these doctor referrals. Well, I'm sorry, those things, even in a good economy could change. Sure. Right. So I learned some really valuable, very hard lessons and um, currently changed the way we operate now and the way we look at um, how we're getting patients in and, and all of our marketing that we do. That's great. And one of the things you talked about was having 11 employees in a three office operation. And part Mm -hmm. of those were part time. 
I talk mm-hmm. about this quite a bit as well because, you know, the, the whole lab fee, I, I almost sometimes wish Align Technology called it something differently. I mean, it should be a save your time marketing, uh, it's a, you know, a, a sales commission fee all wrapped in the, into one singular lab fee. And I think there's no doubt you have the right perception on it, but so many don't. And one of the things that caught my mind when you said that, I mean, how many employees would you need if you were an all braces practice? Because the, the ortho, there's orthodontists out there that cannot wrap their head around, and GPs too that do Invisalign cannot wrap their head around that lab fee, and it keeps them from progressing forward. So how many employees would you have, and just talk for a minute about that lab fee if you were an all braces practice? Yeah, so if we were all braces with the, the volume that we're doing um, compared to, so in 2007, let's just, I'll give you a good example. 2008, we moved into that, 2007, 2008, we moved into that new building. We only had two locations back then, two. And we had 18 employees. And I'd say at that point in time, the vast majority were full-time. There were probably maybe three or four that were part-time you know, they were maybe, you know, sterilization tech, or maybe they came in at the front desk part-time, but more or less full-time people. So 18. Okay. Today we have three locations, right? And only, um, what did I say? 11 or 12 employees. And, and the reality is you kind of, if you're going to do more Invisalign, you, you don't need as many employees. I mean, we have most of the full-time or admin people, you know, TCs, um, scheduling coordinators. It, it also might be one lead RDA or, you know, ortho assistant that's kind of the lead person in the office. Um, and we're really good about, because um, we have the different locations, some, some staff will go from one to the other as well, although each location has its own um, scheduling coordinator and its own TC. So we kind of lock down the admin in one location so that we have continuity there. And then sometimes the uh, assistance may float a little bit depending on the day, but um, it, it, it evolves. I mean, it just evolves that way because at least for us, it did really easily because people left. I mean, they just left and we never replaced them. And I, I always kind of laugh because at one point, I think it was like from 2009 to about 2011, I was a TC in, in our rock one location because we had two full-time TCs back in 2008, and one of them left. Husband got transferred. Second one left about a six, seven, eight months later because her roommate lost her job, and she had to move back in with her parents, which was up in Redding, Pennsylvania. I mean, Redding, Redding California. So we couldn't rehire them. We didn't have enough money to rehire them. So I was the TC. I did all the TC. My husband basically was in the clinic. I mean, it kind of worked out that there were two of us there. I mean, and maybe that was the benefit, you know, but I did a whole TC for two years. So um, it was quite the experience. I have to tell you, I'm glad I did it. Um, and I know some doctors do their own TC work now too, but it, I think for us, it was like, we weren't really, we didn't fire anybody, but people just left and we never rehired. And I know for some friends I talk to all the time, they're like, well, there's nobody that's going to leave and there's nobody I can fire and they're all good. And this just isn't working. And I'm like, okay, well, it's your practice. (laughs) (laughs) You got to decide. I mean, you got to decide what you want to do. And um, for us, I think maybe it was a little bit easier because it just happened, you know, organically. But even to today, we're, we're constantly looking. Uh, we have a goal of about 12% of 
um, 13% payroll costs. And that's how we kind of look and manage, you know, uh, scheduling and we manage, we manage everything by looking at those numbers. We look at our numbers really carefully because if you're doing 25%, you know, payroll costs and you have a, you know, an Invisalign lab bill, yeah, you're going to feel like, you know, you, you're not taking any money home. But if you can lower your employee costs by about 10%, then the difference is kind of made up in the lab bill and it all should work out. But it's, um, I know, easier said than done. It just depends what your goals are. Sure. Well, that's a fabulous success story to, to say the very least. And you have a consulting company too. Tell us real quickly about that and where people can find out more about that consulting company. Yeah. So um, I just do some um, Invisalign. I mean, there's a, we have an Invisalign immersion uh, program. You can come to our office and spend the day. And it's, a, it's an all-day um, event. You can actually see us in action. We kind of, um, you know, open up the curtains for you so you can see what's happening at the front desk. You can look at our scheduling. Um, you can see patients chairside with me. I also make it so that there's time during the day, either at lunch or at the end of the day, to go through cases with you, uh, usually, usually my cases or your cases. So it's a one-day kind of immersion. You come to us and you can bring um, up to two team members with you. So for doctors that really kind of want to see what this looks like, because I get that question all the time, what does it look like? What does your scheduling look like? What does your day look like? You know, how are you doing this? Um, that has been uh, beneficial, you know, for those doctors who have come to our practice. And I'm, I'm going to be offering in the fall. I haven't set dates yet. It'll probably be more towards the end of October or early November. A an actual, um, you know, one day, uh, kind of a clinical focus immersion course, probably in my office. But this would be just pure clinical. There wouldn't be any patients there. So you can check out what I have going on at my website at drdonagalante.com. So that's easy to remember, and you can check out things that we're offering. And I also do some uh, one-on-one coaching at yourorthocoach.com, which is a site just for like one-on-one ClinCheck review. Great. Good stuff. And I love the ClinCheck review. There's a lot of people out there, I believe, that need help with that uh, for, for various reasons. There's the whole podcast in itself. But I, I, yeah. pre- I appreciate you coming on. That's a great success story. Robert, do you have any, any further questions for, for Dr. Galante? Well, I always, you know, I enjoy listening to these success stories and, and the story of each individual practice and of a few comments that I would like to make with you. And uh, when we let her go to her lunch date, we sure appreciate it, Dr. Galante. Hey, it's been my pleasure. And um, I really appreciate um, you asking me and hopefully mm-hmm. your listeners will pick up a few tip tidbits that'll help them in their, you know, in their goal and drive to, um, you know, get their practice more in line with Invisalign uh, treatment. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So Brian, uh, you know, fantastic interview there with Dr. Galante. As usual, I enjoy having these uh, very successful high-level producers on to hear how they think. And I thought it was interesting how she talked about they needed to do something different in order to differentiate themselves from the competition in their area because the area is a little bit depressed and they were needing to kind of light a spark in the business. Yeah. And you notice she didn't do it by becoming the cheapest. She mentioned that she actually raised prices, which is something that we talk about all the time is that it's very hard 
if not impossible to win in a competitive marketplace by being the cheapest. And, you know, one of the things of many that these top 1% producers have in common is they always have some kind of story that they can tell on how they did it differently than everybody else. (laughs) And I love that because of the things that you and I talk about on here is that you've got to be a CEO, you've got to be an innovator and stop looking to somebody down the street. It's the blind teaching the blind. And I, I love the stories of these most successful organizations because of that innovation. And, and it's not the first time we've heard that. So that's very interesting to see practical examples of how these, you know, these high-level producers accomplish this. And to the point of charging the same uh, as the Invisalign with the with the regular braces, you know, again, as you said, she didn't lower it down to the braces. She raised the braces up to the Invisalign. And then psychologically, when people look at the two options, they're going to no-brainer pick the Invisalign, which we already established as well has a higher profit margin from a employee standpoint. You know, if you push more people to Invisalign rather than braces, the chair side time goes down and you just don't require as many employees to pull off the, uh, the, the service. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, a lot of doctors can't wrap their heads around that, but between the emergency appointments virtually going away, uh, the need for less employees, uh, the, the, the ability to be able to see probably two to three times at least the patients that you would otherwise see if they were in braces. It just makes, it just makes all the sense in the world and why the top one percenters are all doing it that way. And I mean, we've had, I mean, think about it. You think about Chris Benson, John White, Regina Blevins, Donna Galante, the quality of guests that we are getting on this podcast to help the listeners out there is so awesome, but they all have that singular thing in common, among other things, is they all have a story about how they did it differently than everybody else. And I love that. Yeah, I think it's pretty phenomenal as well. And hopefully the listeners get to kind of um, pontificate as to how they can do things different and what kind of innovations they can bring into their practices and potentially even starting with Invisalign as the, the the consumer is definitely demanding this. You know, I think another good point was how her referral source has changed from professionals in the area to digital marketing, digital, you know, presence, uh, people finding them online, either through the Invisalign website or by finding them, you know, naturally in their area. So, you know, it's, you can't rely upon those old referral sources forever. Agree completely. Uh, you've always got to be searching for new opportunities. No matter how good it's going today, doesn't guarantee anything tomorrow. And again, that's another trait between people like Donna Galante and somebody else that may or may not ever get to that level. But if they do, they're going to fall right back down because they're not continually looking to innovate, change, become better, uh, etc. So I, I think it's a, an honor that we're getting these guests on here to tell their story. And I'm sure it's helping all the listeners out there. And I'm sure it is as well. And I look forward to the next one. And I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you, Brian. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, I agree, Robert. I have a great time on here with you as well. I think it brings a lot of value to the listeners. And remember, everybody out there, subscribe to our podcast. Just go to iTunes, type in Dr. Diamond Club in the podcast section of iTunes and subscribe. Remember to give us a five-star review on there. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you next time.